Good morning, Refuge. Uh, this is Pastor Raul Montano, Senior Pastor of Refuge Bible Fellowship. Uh, we're, we're in Riverside, California, and um, I just wanted to introduce to you our church. Um, I know much of our church is watching online, and so if you're watching from another remote area, uh, wherever you are, we welcome you. So welcome to Sunday morning. We're excited to get into God's Word as we uh, study God's Word line by line, chapter by chapter, and book by book. This morning we're in Acts chapter 8, and the title of this morning's message is The Fragrance of Hope Spread. And we see this as the disciples are persecuted in Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem they spread to Judea and Samaria. And we'll see how it is that the Lord worked uh, through not only the other disciples that were scattered throughout the regions, but also specifically Philip. And so we're going to break this down uh, this morning. So let's start out by reading in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Heavenly Father, we want to commit this time of studying your word to you. We ask that you would give us understanding, and Lord, that you would not only encourage us as believers, but for anyone who is listening who has not yet made that, that proclamation, that declaration of surrender to you, and have come to know salvation through Jesus Christ, that perhaps this morning would be that, for hope was spread, it was scattered, Lord, throughout Judea and Samaria, and there was great rejoicing in Samaria because salvation had come. And so I pray, Father, that you would encourage us and remind us, Lord, that uh, you loved us with an everlasting love. In fact, you demonstrated your love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, Lord, with that encouragement, we know that it was with that confidence, knowing that Philip was yours, and the, the, the other disciples also, that they went out to the surrounding areas and shared the good news of Jesus Christ with all who were willing to hear. And so, Father, uh, let us have ears to hear, hearts to obey. Bless this time of study, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, and thinking just about how it was that this all worked out with the disciples in Jerusalem, and they were persecuted and scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, it brought me to Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, which says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." 
You see, in the midst of the persecution, execution, and dispersion of the church, God was at work. He had, you see, a plan and a purpose in it all. His disciples had to simply trust in him, even though this way, this manner of doing this wouldn't have been their way, their manner of doing it. They wouldn't have chosen this. And yet, Jesus had these words for his disciples back in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, they were prepared. They were, in fact, adequately prepared by Jesus Christ for the day in which they were in. Reminds me of uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, where we read, Behold, Jesus speaking to his, his uh, disciples, saying, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. You see, Stephen had faced exactly what Jesus said his disciples would. Stephen was faithfully given the words to speak to his accusers, just as Jesus said. And Stephen demonstrated a Christ-like character in the midst of opposition, persecution, and even execution, as his countenance was that of someone that possessed a perfect peace when he was falsely accused, and even interceded for his accusers and his executioners by praying for them, that the Lord would not count against them the sin that was, doing, that was being done in ignorance. God is faithful. And he is with us. And through the Son of God, we can know peace. That is the God we can come to know. The creator of the universe is the God who knows you by name and desires that you come to know peace through Jesus Christ, even in the midst of trials and perhaps because of the trials. He grabs our attention and we turn to him. You see, he has a purpose for you and he has a purpose for the times that we are living in today, the things you are even experiencing personally. And John 16, says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The first eight verses of chapter 8 are transitional. They transition from the execution of Stephen to the persecution and dispersion of the church. God was executing his plan of dispersion. And that is the dispersion of the gospel through the dispersion of his people, of the church. God was actually executing the very plan that he had set forth in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
which says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Tribulation, persecutions, and trials, I can admit, don't feel good. But God warned of it. God prepared us for them and has a purpose through trials. The initial persecution of Stephen led to his execution. Stephen's execution led to further persecution of the church. And then the persecution of the church led to the scattering of the church, which spread the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout Judea and Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And by the way, as the proclamation of the gospel came to Samaria, what resulted is something great. This led to the declaration of joy, salvation known in Jesus Christ. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, God has a purpose and a plan in the midst of trials. And you are part of that purpose and plan to be the fragrance and hope and life that God is spreading in the midst of trials. As you serve to testify of the grace of God known only through Jesus Christ. The Lord desires to spread the hope of Christ throughout the earth you. Each and every one of us is considered as God's children, as followers of Jesus Christ, as his ambassadors. We are to do the work of an evangelist and spread throughout whoever it is that we come in contact with the good news of Jesus Christ. So in times of trouble, don't despair. In times of trouble, don't lose heart. There is hope in Jesus for you and for the world around you. You just have to take your eyes off of yourself and put them on Jesus Christ and put them on other people. Hope is stronger than fear, and there is perfect hope in Jesus. Now, going back to verse 1, this is how God spread the gospel. And how it is that he's even spreading the gospel today as we kind of think about the days in which we're living in. This is how he spread the gospel. In verse 1, once again, and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Saul in verse 1 is the same one mentioned in verse 58 of chapter 7 who watched over the garments of the men who were stoning Stephen to death. Saul is described as, quote-unquote, approving of Stephen's execution. In the New King James Version, I believe it says consenting. He consented to Stephen's execution. But it's more than just that. This word, what it describes is a man who not only approved, perhaps reluctantly or consented reluctantly at his execution, but actually found great pleasure in the execution of Stephen. And we know that Saul found much pleasure in persecuting and executing the Christians throughout, men and women alike. Now, we know that for Saul, Saul of Tarsus became Paul. 
And this was something that Saul deeply regretted later in life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, the Apostle Paul writes, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. In Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 11, It says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. And so we have the description of the Apostle Paul previously before coming to salvation in Jesus Christ, not only persecuting the church, but executing those who were of the way, those who were found to be followers of Jesus Christ. Now for, for Saul, there, there are things that he regretted. And there are things that we regret as we look back at our lives But God can take those things and cause us to have a deeper understanding of his love for us, his grace for us, as he pours his mercy and grace upon us and calls us his own in Christ nonetheless, just as Paul was forgiven of all of his sins and was used mightily by the Lord. When God forgives us in Christ, he forgives us of all. The persecution and scattering of the church is what we're looking at here. And well, the, the execution of Stephen was the, definitely the beginning of a great persecution against the church, specifically in Jerusalem. And the church was scattered throughout Judea and Samaria because of this. The disciples were now positioned, and this is what we need to understand, the disciples were now positioned, equipped, and empowered with the Holy Spirit to preach the good news about the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ in the places Jesus actually had initially told them to go, but hadn't up to this point. God uses the most interesting events in our lives to position us to communicate the hope that we have in Christ to a world that has no hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we take our eyes off of our circumstances, if we take our eyes off of ourselves, and place them on Christ, and place them on others, we can be used to communicate hope in Christ in the midst of pain. C.S. Lewis once wrote, quote, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world, close quote. Some events in our lives are painful, and sometimes we don't see God's purpose in them. But just as Stephen's death seems to have been meaningless and unnecessary, if you think about it, there was not one convert that came about because of the situation that he was in, because of his persecution and because of his execution. But through it, and even through it, in fact, God used it to bring persecution against his church. It doesn't seem like things are going well for the church. The the situation 
uh, seems unfavorable. And it is painful. But God uses persecution to scatter his people, to scatter the church throughout Judea and Samaria, positioning them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who needed to hear of God's hope and grace known only through salvation in Jesus Christ. God's thoughts and ways are not our thoughts and ways, and his are much better, and he is omniscient. And we are not smarter than him. He knows all things, and we can trust in him. Sometimes God has to shake us out of our comforts in order to get our attention to see what he wants us to do. You know, verse 2 tells us that Stephen was buried by devout men. It seems like a kind of a, a little out of order. And yet what I believe the, the writer is trying to communicate here is that there were still men uh, within Jerusalem that didn't agree with the persecution and the execution of Stephen. And, and so there were devout men uh, in Jerusalem who uh, mourned for the loss of Stephen and buried him, gave him a burial. Uh, verse 3 we see how it was that Saul was on a mission to destroy every single follower of Jesus Christ. This was his, his whole goal. He wanted to do this. He was getting letters of approval from the uh, leaders in Jerusalem, from the church in Jerusalem, to go throughout the region uh, to persecute and bring in those who were of the way, those who were Christians, those who were followers of Jesus Christ. He was ravaging the church. This is how he was described as far as his actions were concerned. What this means is that Saul was viciously attacking the church. His actions were described to be like a wild animal that tears apart at its prey. That's how he was described, his actions. It was an ongoing action. It wasn't something that he just did once or twice, but it's something that was ongoing for him. He was not going to stop until the church was completely destroyed. And we know by what we've already read, that he found great pleasure in doing that. And Saul methodically pursued the Christians, going door to door, arresting all who were followers of Jesus Christ and committing them to prison for their faith. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that he found, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 22, in verse 4, it says, According to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. And we also have in Acts chapter 26, verse 9. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. And so it was an intense time for the church. 
Saul of Tarsus was intent on completely destroying the church. And yet we know that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Never. It was definitely an intense time for the church. But the church, we need to understand, was not being destroyed then. And it's not being destroyed now. Even though it was being uh, persecuted, even though it was being scattered throughout the regions, they were being dispersed. Jesus was actually not being defeated, but he was positioning his church to spread the gospel. And what happened through that dispersion is what brings great joy to us, great encouragement, and ought to be what really motivates us as we enter into trials and tribulations, knowing that there's a plan and a purpose for it all. Verse 4, as we read it once more, it says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits cried out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. You see, the persecution of the church served to spread the gospel, the message of God's grace in Christ. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. But that word preaching the word, don't think that this means that they were setting up soapboxes on every street corner and and preaching to the multitudes in that way in their time that they spent in Samaria. What they were actually doing, I know that's the picture sometimes that we get when when we uh, see that word as far as preaching is concerned, but actually what they were doing was something that we ought to do today. What they were doing was sharing the gospel with those that they came in contact with. Did you know that most people don't come to faith uh, by a preacher behind a pulpit, but actually face-to-face, as a friend brings the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to a friend, one-on-one, that's how most people come to be saved, to surrender their hearts to Jesus Christ. It's, It's in that intimate moment that a friend shares the good news with another friend. And the question for us and it should be something that we always consider. How often do you share the good news of Jesus Christ? If you have come to know salvation in Christ and, and have the hope of eternal life with him, certainly we ought to share that with others, the love of God that was dem- demonstrated through Jesus Christ. So how often do you share the good news? You know, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That work of an evangelist means that you simply are willing and, uh, and, and, and available and ready to tell others of the hope that you have of salvation. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. You know, the Christians in Samaria shared the good news with the people of Samaria. And we see Philip here specifically. 
how he proclaimed Christ to the crowds. And, and it says here that they paid attention to him. They were willing to listen. They inclined their ear to him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. Kind of understanding who Philip is, Philip was one of the seven men who were chosen to serve the church by serving the Hellenist widows in the distribution of their needs so that the apostles could devote themselves to prayer and the preaching, the teaching of God's word. And so he was a man full of the spirit, uh, full of integrity. He was a man who could be trusted and counted on. But he was one who was well-equipped in the word of God. And he was one who was, uh, was selected to serve the Lord within the church. And yet he was also one of the people who were forced to flee the persecution in Jerusalem and ended up also in Samaria. Samaria was made up of a people despised by the Jews. The Assyrians, 600 years earlier, had conquered this area, taken the upper and middle class. They took them away and left the poor, the lower class, who then intermarried with pagans who were brought in from other regions. And these are the Samaritans who were hated by the Jews. And this is the people Jesus sent the good news to. You see, God does not discriminate with his offer of grace. Salvation comes to the Jews and Gentiles alike. We're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Interesting, because this is the Apostle Paul writing. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, Philip was the vessel used to bring the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was one of many, though. He was one that is basically uh, kind of singled out for what we have before us. But he was a, a vessel used to bring the good news the gospel of Jesus Christ to some of the most despised people of the time. And they responded. They heard. They saw the miracles take place. And there, there was much joy, it says here, in that city. But just in case you not only see what they heard, but what they saw also and experienced. Because sometimes if we don't see those miracles happening, perhaps we... We have a doubt as to whether God is working or not. Uh, we we want to see the we want to experience much of what we've we've come to know in in the beginning of the church. But listen to this because Jesus spoke these words to uh, doubting Thomas in John chapter twenty verse twenty nine. Jesus said to him, "Have you believed because you have seen me?" Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, Jesus appeared to Thomas, and Thomas said that he wouldn't believe unless he, he saw. He saw the, the holes in Jesus' hands, and the holes in his feet, and the hole in his side. And Jesus came to him and said these words, Blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet have believed. And to the religious leaders, that is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 4, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. He left them and departed. Now, joy was known in Samaria because of the pain known in Jerusalem. The good news was brought. And the best part of it were not the actual signs and wonders, the miracles that were experienced by the people, but the real miracle that was worth everything was the miracle of salvation that came through Jesus Christ. That was the good news. And that is worth rejoicing over because joy was known in Samaria because of the pain that was known in Jerusalem. From great persecution came great joy. The church was scattered, but it was not stopped. What started out with Stephen's persecution in Jerusalem resulted in salvation and joy in Samaria. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-10 through 10 says this, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. That, that means that, that it's revealed in us, in our person. And that's exactly what was happening with the Christians in Samaria as they came and they told everyone the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, the person of Christ was revealed to the Samaritans by the people that had been persecuted and scattered, spread throughout the whole area. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, Beloved friends, I delight to preach to you all the doctrines which I find in God's word, but I desire always to preach the person of Christ above doctrine. The doctrine is but the chair in which Christ sits as a prophet to instruct us, close quote. So, as I thought about verses 1 through 8, I thought about how it was that God sowed his seeds as he willed. It wasn't the manner in which perhaps we would even choose to be spread, to be scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And yet it was God's will. It was his will. It was that way in which God did things in order for his people to go to the areas which he had commanded them to go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep in mind that some, some Christians were persecuted, some were bound in prison, and there were still others who had dispersed among uh, the area and brought the good news with them. Secondly, these seeds that God dispersed throughout the regions around Jerusalem actually produced, uh, they, they produced greatly. One seed produced many. Many came because there was a rich harvest that was known in Samaria. As we see here, the last verse, so there was much joy in that city. Joy comes as people come to know a relationship with the Father through the Son. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, Joseph knew this very well. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, after his father had died, 
And his brothers thought that because dad was dead, that he was then going to turn on them. Had these words for them. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Perspective is everything. To understand that God is doing a work through our difficult circumstances is something that we ought to always keep in mind to know that God's word is truth. And it's true that through these trials comes a patience that matures the man as we keep our eyes on him, fixed on him because our hope is in Christ. You know, I want to leave you with this story. Solomon Northrup uh, was a freeborn African-American from New York who was the son of a freed slave and a free woman of color. He wrote the book, Twelve Years a Slave. He lived from 1808 to 1863. And he writes this, quote, At such times, the heart of man turns instinctively towards his maker in prosperity, and whenever there is nothing to injure or make him afraid, he remembers him not and is ready to defy him. But place him in the midst of dangers. Cut him off from human aid. Let the grave open before him. Then it is in the time of his tribulation that the scoffer and unbelieving man turns to God for help, feeling there is no other hope or refuge or safety save in his protecting arm. So be the fragrance of hope to a hopeless world. Tell the world that Jesus came to give life eternal by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. There too will there be much joy. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time of study. We ask, Lord, that you would bring much fruit through the work that we are willing to do as you have given us your command to make disciples of all nations, to do the work of an evangelist. Lord, that whatever situations we are faced with, I pray, Lord, that we would have the right perspective, Lord, and get our eyes off of ourselves, Lord, and, and off of the world and the circumstances around us. Help us to, to place them squarely on you, and Lord, have so much love for you and others that we are willing to not talk about ourselves, but to talk about you in the hope that we have come to know by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. By surrendering our lives, we have come to know eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As we confess our sins to you, as we cry out to you for forgiveness, you tell us in your word that if we can confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. We have known salvation. We have come to know that. And I pray, Lord, that that hope, that salvation is known by more. We thank you, Lord, for meeting us here. May you continue to build up and encourage your church. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.